Blog Talk Radio. If you're looking for informative and educational radio and not the same questions and personalities and egos for hours, then Sports Beat, your alternative, is next as part of Mountain Meadow Productions. Stay tuned. Productions and Sportsbeat Radio. This is Sportsbeat, a provocative, insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listener to the specific of sports. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener. And with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question over and over sports radio. We like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, it's the Sports Beat, and we're coming at you live. And I'm your host... John Spooler. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday program, the ninth day of May, 2023. I want to thank you so much for joining us on yet a, another segment of Sports Beat Radio, Talking Sports. And today we're going to be talking about and ranking uh, NFL stadiums from best to worst. This was uh, in accordance with 2022 sports writers and uh, even players got involved. Uh, some of the mid-management, I don't know if upper management actually got involved in it, but we're going to be running through that and talking about the uh, worst stadiums. By the way, uh, not to have proper English, but uh, most uh, sports people mispronounce the uh, plural of stadiums. It is not stadiums. It is stadia, S-T-A-D-I-A. So we actually misinterpreted. We should say NFL stadia ranked from best to worst. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And you know, in the old days, it was interesting when I grew up watching football in the '60s, particularly the AFL, which I always tout. You know, a great league, and they had some pretty decrepit stadiums. Most of them were old. Uh, there I just said it, stadiums. Stadia, uh, but you get the point. Uh, you know, their Balboa Field out there in San Diego was uh, basically born in the early 1900s. They finally uh, raised it down, all of the uh, concourse. And basically it's just a track now with bleachers. And uh, when I was out there several years ago walking around that field and reminiscing about Lance Allworth and John Hadel and all the great chargers out there, Ron Mix and Gary Garrison, you know, seeing Speedy Duncan and all the rest of them. And, you know, you look at Keysar Stadium, which was home to the uh, Oakland Raiders when they first came in. Uh, they also played at Frank Ewell Stadium. They played at Candlestick Park before they got their uh, home in the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum, since moved to Vegas. And Municipal Stadium in uh, Kansas City, the Chiefs playing their last game there, that Christmas Day game back in the early 70s that uh, saw the triple overtime and uh, Garrow Upremian's famous field goal to win it for the Dolphins, the visiting Dolphins, War Memorial Stadium in 
Buffalo, which was kind of a decrepit place. And, you know, we look at all those places and you, know, you almost have a tear in your eye when they get torn down because there's so much reminiscing about those fields growing up. And we're, we're prone to our eras. You know, I mean, when we talk to 60-year-olds and 70-year-old fans, uh, they're prone to the 60s. They think that that was the best football. You know, when you talk to people today in their 30s, you know, the 80s were the best year in football. So you're kind of a slave, so to speak, to your uh, era. And, you know, to see a lot of those uh, stadiums around the country that are no longer there, you know, some of them have a marker. I remember old Shy Park in Philadelphia that uh, also was known as Connie Mack Stadium which was more in the center of the town, Philadelphia, now long gone. There's just a sign there. You know, my my uncle took me to my first Phillies game there way back in the 60s. And I saw Richie Allen and some of the other uh, uh, great uh, Philadelphia Phillies. So we, we tend to, you know, in this modern age, of course, where money is uh, the bastardization, so to speak, of everything we do, uh, those old decrepit stadiums are no longer around. Remnants of Kizar Stadium are still there. Uh, the concourse, of course, the arena part is gone because of earthquake uh, considerations. But the field is there. It's a very nice field, actually, right in the heart of San Francisco in the Hyde-Ashford uh, district of Hippieville, you might say. Uh, the park is uh, Kizar Park. There's still a few remnants of the old park there, but basically it's just a, uh, some bleachers, some pretty big bleachers. Uh, with um, the field there, and you you know you, you reminisce about uh, John Brody passing to Gene Washington, and uh, you know all of the great things. So, ranking the stadiums from best to worst, and that's uh, you know what we want to do uh, at this point. And so, uh, Lambeau Field opened in 1957 as a capacity of 81,441. And is the home, of course, of the Packers. Is it new? No. Is it the best looking? No. However, it's really steeped in history and needs to be on every NFL fan's bucket list. You know, we always talked about John Madden always saying, you haven't watched football until you've visited Lambeau Field. And, uh, you know, the, the people in Green Bay are only too happy to show you the house that Vince Lombardi lived in and uh, all of that. But... Um, that is, if you can even get tickets, Packer fans are some of the most faithful in the league, and even when it takes on the moniker of the frozen tundra, they still come out in droves, fueled by brats, cheese, and beer. Then you have SoFi Stadium. All right, so that opened in 2020 as a capacity of 70,240. It's the home of the Chargers and the Rams. And uh, SoFi Stadium is stunning. From all the glass to the curved roof, which comes to the ground, we saw it in all its glory in Super Bowl 56, from the wraparound jumbotron to the indoor setup that's open air due to its uh, construction. Now, we're not necessarily talking about all of the bad stadiums. We're talking about some of the good ones as well. So um, it's hard to believe that U.S. Bank Stadium is six years or seven years old because it looks like it's from 25 years in the future. The transparent roof paved the way for other modern stadia, and at night it looks like a backdrop to a Prince concert with all the lights and colors. 
Then you have Arrowhead Stadium, built in 72, one of the older stadiums, 76,416 is its capacity, home of the Chiefs. And if anyone can rival the Seahawks for home field advantage, it's the Chiefs and Arrowhead Stadium, and one of the older stadiums still around has seen improvements to help keep it up with the times but not lose the history. So in 2014, Chiefs Kingdom set the Guinness World the record for the loudest crowd, a volume at 142.2 decibels. Lumen Field, home of the uh, Seattle Seahawks, opened in 2002, 72,000 capacity. It's the 12th man, as we all know. It's that simple, and there might be a more, in, there might not be a more intimidating place to play as opposing team than Seattle faithful or in full swing and song. Since the Legion of Boom, as they call themselves, era and the best quake, Lumen Field has been the host of some of the most electric moments in recent years. The only complaint is awful green-gray turf color that looks like the same color as a foggy Puget Sound day on a cold winter day. With that being said, the home field advantage is as good as it gets. Then you have Allegiant Stadium, opened in 2020. Allegiant Stadium. And that's the home, of course, of the Raiders. It holds 65,000 football in Vegas. It's a weird, but it, it apparently works feels right, and perhaps that's also the bottle service and club in the end zone uh, that they have. Nevertheless, the Death Star is an incredible facility with a look we have never seen before, and the only question is, what will the black hole look like, or did they leave that behind at the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum? AT&T Stadium, that opened in 2009, Jerry's World, they call it, home of the Dallas Cowboys, holds 80,000, was indeed a wonder a world wonder when it's constructed from the design of the stadium, record-setting screen, the surrounding facilities and amenities. AT&T Stadium has it all. It's one-of-a-kind experience, just like how the players enter the field through the thralls of fans rather than a corner tunnel. It gives you that kind of uh, on-field look and feel uh, as the players pass you by. Mercedes-Benz Stadium, that opened in 2017, and that has a capacity of 71,000, home of the Falcons. And it surprised many when it was announced that Georgia Dome would be torn down, but I doubt anyone's complaining now. Mercedes-Benz Stadium is a work of art. You could watch the roof open and close all day long if you want. While the Ram screen is larger, they were not the first to do the circular jumbotron, as the Falcons actually implemented that into their stadium as well. And what cannot be overlooked is the uh, confines, uh, the concession family-friendly uh, prices. Uh, Arthur Blank, who owns the uh, Falcons, had wanted to make the prices affordable. So a hamburger doesn't cost you $30. Uh, A beer doesn't cost you $20. And that's the coolness of Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Acrisure Stadium, once known as Heinz Field, of course these stadiums change all the time with different sponsors. It opened in 2001, 68,400, and is the home of the Steelers. That's its capacity. And you say what you want about the city of Pittsburgh, but uh, Acrisure has one of the best views in sports as it sits on the convergence of the Allegheny, Monongahela, and Ohio rivers. When a renegade plays and the terrible towels wave, there's no better environment to take in an NFL game. I have been there uh, as, uh, as I have been at PNC Park, uh, the home of the Pirates, two great stadiums. I think PNC is a little nicer. But uh, the city of Pittsburgh is just a beautiful city. They've really done a nice job, if you haven't been there. 
Caesars Superdome opened in 75, known as the Louisiana Superdome, 74,295, home of the Saints. And outside of perhaps Lambeau Field, no stadium means more to a city than what Caesars Superdome means to New Orleans residents. If you remember, after Hurricane Katrina, it served as a beacon of hope uh, to all of the uh, residents of this, and 74,000 of their closest friends. Empower Field at Mile High Stadium, used to be known as Invesco. Empower Field the, opened in 2001, a capacity of 76,125, home of the Broncos. And it hosts the ultimate home field advantage, Altitude. Mile High is known for taking the breath away from opposing teams and fans in attendance with picturesque views uh, to the west of the Rocky Mountains. Highmark Stadium, Buffalo Bills. Uh, I've been there. Uh, it's actually a very difficult place to get into because it's in a neighborhood of Orchard Park. It's not in the city. And I remember getting there, uh, flying in there with a good friend of mine uh, back in the 80s to see the Miami Dolphins and the uh, Buffalo Bills. And uh, we rented a car. By the time we got there, uh, it was well into the first quarter. That's how backed up the traffic is. Not a very good venue for travel. But it opens in 73. It has a 71,870 capacity. And the stadium itself is nothing special. It's those same people who make this incredible. From the broken tables to the ketchup and mustard ritual, there's no place you want to see a game party at more than with the Bills Mafia, is what they call them. They will be getting a new home expected to start in 2026. So uh, we'll see what happens to... Uh, the Orchard Park Stadium. Lucas Oil Stadium, 2008, 70,000 capacity, home of the Colts. Might be the most underrated stadium in the NFL. It has an uh, old-school look from the outside, but state-of-the-art inside with a retractable roof and a large glass windows that provide views of the city. And it's located in the middle of Indianapolis and is in walking distance of the restaurants and bars you could deserve, desire. For those who have been to the NFL Combine, you all know that very well. State Farm Stadium opened in 26, 2006, has a capacity of 63,400, home of the Cardinals out in the desert. And once inside, fans are treated to a fantastic experience and reprieve from the Phoenix heat. The most notable uh, feature is the retractable grass field, which allows the Cardinals to benefit from an indoor stadium and the natural surface. Then you have Lincoln Financial Field, opened in 2003, capacity 67,594, home of the uh, Super Bowl contending Philadelphia Eagles. And after years at the vet, the Eagles received a much-needed upgrade with Lincoln Financial. It's located near the other sports' major venue teams. It's a fantastic stadium to catch an NFL game unless you're a visiting team. Uh, and the stadium is very close to the field. That's what they're doing now. A lot of these stadiums that used to be kind of far away from the playing field, particularly the upper decks. Uh, Soldier Field opened in 1924 as a capacity of 61,500. It's the home of the Bears. And uh, having to rank a stadium with a story of history at Soldier Field at 16th, this is the 16th uh, field now in our series, in the best NFL stadiums. However, it lost a bit of its magic when it received a substantial renovation in 2003. Uh, most people uh, in Chicago didn't really want the renovation, uh, but uh, nonetheless, keeping up 
uh, with uh, the Joneses, as they say, you know, keeping up with uh, owners, keeping up with other stadiums, uh, you would not recognize Soldier Field if you saw it back in the 60s and 70s for what it is today. Raymond James Stadium comes in at 17. That opened in 98, capacity of 65,890, home of the Tampa Bay Bucks. It's a pirate ship. Some hate it, but some love it because of the explosion and pirates are cool. It's really that simple. And now you just bring back one of the best throwback uniforms in the creamsicle jerseys, if you remember those. Gillette Stadium opened in 2002, 65,878 is the capacity, home of the Patriots. And no stadium really has seen more success in the last 20 years than Gillette Stadium, and it has created an intoxicating environment. What remains to be seen is how it will feel packed crowds in the post-Brady era. And fans will enjoy a solid stadium, that is, once they finally get there. It's outside of the city of uh, Boston. M&T Stadium, you pass that on uh, 95 on your way south. Uh, on Interstate 95, you can see that, and then behind it you can see the uh, iconic office wall that uh, surrounds uh, Orioles Park, Camden Yards. But MIT Stadium opened in 98, 71,008 is the home of the Ravens. And while it's 24 years old, M&T Bank Stadium does not feel like it, thanks to the $120 million spent in renovations in 2019. When the Ravens are rolling, few fan bases are more intense during home games than those wearing the purple and black. Located in a great spot and by Camden Yards, as we just said, this National Football League stadium has an energy that few can match. Nissan Stadium, and that, of course, is the home of the Tennessee Titans, uh, that opened in 99, capacity just under 70,000, uh, 69,143. Uh, Nissan Stadium does not get the love it deserves, possibly due to the Titans' play in the past years. The stadium could use some upgrades for the fan experience inside. But once the game is over, a few places, if any, are better than the nightlife in Nashville. It was announced uh, October 17, 2022, uh, that the Tennessee Titans and mayor of Nashville, John Cooper, at the time, reached a deal to build a new dome stadium that could cost up to $2.2 billion. Interesting place, Nissan Stadium. It was a place that uh, offered the Houston Oilers a uh, reclusive team, so to speak. Uh, Bud Adams, the owner, original owner of the Houston Oilers, the charter member of the AFL back in 1960, uh, did not like the Astrodome, even though it was the eighth wonder of the world, if you remember. It was dubbed as this marvelous place, first dome stadium, so to speak, in the United States, and uh, the Oilers played there. But uh, as time went on, uh, it did not have the uh, luxury boxes. It did not have all of the things that Bud Adams wanted from uh, his uh, rental there. And so the uh, people of Houston... Uh, voted down a new stadium, and uh, Bud Adams took his Oilers on the on tour, and he found uh, the mayor of Nashville was uh, open to building a stadium for the Oilers, and uh, that is Nissan Stadium. It's already talking about the renovations. You know, a lot of these great places have had renovations, uh, and most of them are not even 20 years old. First Energy Stadium. Home of the Cleveland Browns. We remember all those muddy, great games as the Cleveland Browns used to always wear white jerseys, white pants uh, in the old municipal stadium out there in Cleveland. 
So First Energy opened in uh, 99, capacity of 67,895. Long gone are the days. The mistake by the lake and lamenting Brown's faithful. Despite its concrete-looking exterior, First Energy Stadium is electric inside with the dog pound still there, of course. Sitting on Lake Erie, winds and weather can be brutal, uh, but it has not stopped fans from filing uh, in the seats, even in bad years. NRG Stadium, 72,000, home of the Texans, built in 2002. Exceptionally average is the best way you can describe NRG Stadium. It has solid aesthetics, a retractable roof. It gets loud from the cheers of fans when it is closed. And still, those might turn to the echoes given the franchise's current direction. Then you have Ford Field, open in uh, 2002, capacity 65,000, home of the Detroit Lions. And while Detroit has its own reputation, Ford Field remains one of the most underrated NFL stadiums, but lacks a bit of panache to elevate in rankings. The play on the field might be the lone drawback. Ford Field is a spacious stadium with some unique design elements. It also has nestled next to it uh, uh, Comerica Park, and is within walking distance of great restaurants. And Comerica Park, of course, is the home of the Detroit Tigers. Hard Rock Stadium down there in Miami, the the city of partying, opened in 87, capacity 65,326. And thanks to the renovations, the fan experience at the aging Hard Rock Stadium has improved substantially. Everything from roomier seats, larger video boards, new suites, and a fantastic food selection makes this a solid stadium to get to game. And the issue is that despite the fact that this is in Florida, where it rains nearly every day, it's an open stadium, yet the partial roof does do a decent job in keeping the fans dry. Levi Stadium, I've been out there in Santa Clara. Uh, It's a monumental stadium, very high up. Uh, opened in 2014, a capacity of 68,500, home of the 49ers. And as they say, be careful what you wish for. You might end up with a stadium that is an hour farther, and that's on a good day of traffic. And sure, it has a grass roof and reliable Wi-Fi speeds, but it is that enough to replace Candlestick? Levi's Stadium just seems... Uh, to be missing any soul. They're also one of the highest concession prices in the NFL. And it may not be the worst NFL stadium, but it's far from the best. I remember driving out there. It's not too far from uh, Stanford University, a beautiful part of uh, California, Santa Clara, very ritzy area. And uh, the stadium kind of just sits there, and it's a very high stadium, very high up. Uh, it looks to me, I wasn't in it, but you could see in it uh, from where I was, it seems like uh, those who have height problems uh, would not benefit uh, from going to Levi Stadium. TIAA Bank Field, Jacksonville Jaguars home, capacity of 67,164, opened in 95. And we get closer to the worst NFL stadium. We have to find little redeeming qualities of average venues. For TIAA Bank Field, you can watch the Jags lose from the comforts of a pool located behind the end zone. And that's also about where the list ends as several parts of the stadium transport you back to 1985. Bank of America Stadium, Carolina Panthers, opened in '96. 75,412, very little has changed of Bank of America Stadium since it opened in 96 and has served as the only place the Panthers have called home. It's a stadium showing its age 
and David Tepper, who was the owner of the uh, Panthers, must decide between extensive upgrades or start from ground up with a new stadium. Paycor Stadium, home of the Bengals, uh, opened in 2000, 65,535 capacity, reaching the bottom of the barrel. And Paycor Stadium comes in as one of the worst stadiums in the NFL. Sure, it has a great view of Cincinnati, but that's also where the positive end. MetLife Stadium opened in 2010, home of the Giants and Jets. 82,500 is its capacity. And first off, you're in Jersey, not New York. Second, MetLife now has a staggering reputation for ending players' seasons, just like the old vet did uh, in Philadelphia. You don't care if it was really built yesterday. That is simply inexcusable. The prices are just as insane as the drive to get to the stadium. And once inside, you're just hoping not to get run across, uh, you know, run over by, uh, uh, you know, any kind of spectators. FedEx Field, 97, capacity 82,000, home of the Washington Commanders. And we have a winner now for the worst stadium in the NFL. The design is barely average. And by November, the field is closer to the dirt patch than anything resembling grass. For everything RFK was, this is the opposite. It's a complete hassle to even get to the stadium. Once there, fans pay an exorbitant amount for tickets. It also does not help that there's little to do uh, or nothing to do for fans to enjoy inside. And once they're inside, don't look up or you might get a shower. You don't want from uh, example of the aging sewer problem that they have there and the plumbing. Also, don't lean on the railing by the tunnels. They're a bit prone to collapse. So while the play on the field has improved, the stadium needs to catch up, and the only way for that to happen is for the exiting owner now, Dan Snyder, who probably could care less since he's uh, selling the team, to build a new one. Given his propensity for change, that will likely take a a decade. So we'll have to see what the new owner uh, will do. And so that is a look at uh, some of the uh, worst or best, I should say, to worst stadium, stadia in the NFL. You know, you're used to saying something wrong all your life. Uh, stadia is one of them. Uh, so, you know, the the stadia of teams give the teams their kind of ambiance. You know, there was something about Forbes Field in Pittsburgh. Even though the Pirates were you know, didn't win a lot of championships over their history. There was something to be said about Forbes Field. There was something to be said about War Memorial Stadium up in Buffalo, you know, where uh, the Buffalo Bills were favored in that 66 championship game against the visiting Chiefs and Hank Stram coming in and basically annihilating Jack Kemp and the Buffalo Bills. They were two touchdown favorites. They ended up losing 31-7. to seven. Uh, They scored late in the game. And, uh, So one of the uh, one of the things that happens when you uh, look at stadia in, in the country is that the privilege of seeing some of those uh, stadiums like War Memorial, uh, you know, uh, Balboa Stadium, Kizar Stadium, uh, the old Astrodome that still sits down there in uh, Houston. It was interesting because the voters had uh, voted to uh, demolish that particular place. I'm not sure why it's still there, but it is, uh, and it has been used mainly for storage at this point. They were talking about possibly making it into some kind of a, a mall. Uh, it sits right next to uh, Reliance Stadium of the uh, Houston Texans. 
And, uh, you know, the old uh, Orange Bowl, which is no longer there, uh, the Pontiac Silver Dome, which is no longer there, the Metrodome out in uh, Minnesota with its roof collapsing, uh, no longer there, uh, Candlestick Park where Dwight Clark made his great catch against the Dallas Cowboys in the championship game is no longer there. And then some of them are still there. Jefferson Field, Jefferson Stadium is still uh, in Houston, and uh, that's where the 62 championship was played between the Dallas Texans and the Houston Oilers in a game that was televised on ABC, went into a couple of overtimes before Tommy Brooker kicked the winning field goal to eliminate uh, the two-time champion Houston Oilers and the Dallas Texans would become uh, So I think there's a, a certain ambiance about stadia around the country and uh you know i think it's uh it's a pleasure to be able to walk around and and just be able to see these places or even see the markers where they you know where they once were well i'm about to do it for our show today talking about uh, nfl stadiums from uh best to worst or worst to best and of course uh, some of them uh, are in need of uh, a little upgrading like Lambeau Field and so forth, but they're so iconic that I don't think uh, most fans really care. It's almost like a visitor visiting New York for the first time, and you can tell that they're sort of looking up at the skyscrapers. That's what you do when you go to Lambeau Field in Green Bay. If you haven't experienced it, you need to do it. Sportsbeat's been a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sportsbeat Radio. Tonight, of course, the Phoenix Suns taking on the Denver Nuggets out in Denver. And the Lakers, of course, now three games to one over the world champion Warriors. Hockey continues with the Devils and the Hurricanes. And we'll see you all again soon. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a great day. <laughs>